Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Bless the name of Yahuwah in Shabbat Shalom. We have returning back to the scrolls and visions of Ezekiel. After a short break, we are in Ezekiel and the revelation of the 13 scrolls. Today, we are in scroll 10. And scroll 10 comes to us from Ezekiel chapter 33, verse 21, through chapter 39, verse 29. We won't get through the whole scroll today. This will be a few parts. But it begins in the 12th year of our exile on the fifth day of the 10th month. So that's 10.05.12. And what I want to speak about and focus on today is the good shepherd and the irresponsible shepherds. Ezekiel now begins this prophetic vision. Remember, he's going to speak to the elders of Israel, giving them this prophetic vision of what Yahweh has spoken to him through the nights, and now coming and delivering this message of how there should be the stewardship and the good shepherd that would come, but conversely, how they, Israel, have been irresponsible shepherds. And this is a prophecy. Think about it. A prophecy six centuries prior that the good shepherd would visit Israel, that this good shepherd would come, he would address the disorder, he would rebuke its leaders, Basically, this good shepherd would come on the scene and have a go at the Pharisees, at the Sadducees, and maybe even call them a brood of vipers. He would have a go at the people, and he would then represent Yahweh's true cause, which would be the cause of Zadachah, righteousness, the Malkitzedek reign. So this is the greatest vision and prophecy of Ezekiel, and it finds its fulfillment. Where do we find its fulfillment? In the New Covenant, in John, of course, chapter 10 specifically, we find the principal shepherd, the good shepherd. He comes to seek, he comes to find, he comes to regather and restore both houses of Israel. So how do we know if we're following false, irresponsible shepherds or whether we are actually following the principal shepherd, the good shepherd? Well, the good shepherd is going to have some character traits to his voice, his ministry, his message. Seeking, finding, regathering, and restoring Primarily, both houses of Israel. Not restoring the Babylonian church system. Not restoring Catholicism. Not restoring Protestantism. Not restoring Zionism. But restoring both houses of Israel. And the only way, the only way that this can be fulfilled, of which it is of absolute necessity, is of course, the incarnation. When Yahuwah, Yahusha, would have to become as his sheep and dwell on the earth amongst the very flock in order to draw them, in order to find them, and in order to recover them. 
We're lost sheep. And he says, I have not come, but for the lost sheep of the prostituting house of Israel that is scattered in the nations. And the principal shepherd, he's going to find us. He's going to find us. Your and mine's personal salvation is part of the deliverance from exile and from every nation. In Psalm 80, it is written, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. Remember, Joseph was married to the high priestess of pagan sun god worship. There's a clue. And his children, Ephraim and Manasseh, were half-baked. It says in the Bible that Ephraim is like a silly dove, half-baked. Meaning they're a mixture of Babylonian or Egyptian paganism and the true worship of the living Elohim. That we're going to have to turn away from all of that paganism and we're going to have to turn around and walk back to Yahuwah. And there's a Hebrew word that encapsulates that perfectly. It's called shuv, which is the root of teshuvah, to turn around and walk back to where you once came. This is what Yahweh has for us. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubims, shine forth. The good shepherd seeks that which is lost and that which is found. And I stand before you here Because I was found by the good shepherd when I was 24 years old. Lost in debauchery. Lost in the nations. And I had to be willing as each and every one of us who's found by the good shepherd. We have to be willing to lay down what we're carrying. Our sins. Our ideas. The directions that we want to go in our own visions, our own dreams. We have to be willing to lay that down. Let it all go, whatever it is. Let the gambling go. Let the alcoholism go. Let the womanizing go. Let, you've got to be able to let it all go. Drop it. Turn around and face Yahuwah. Repent. And now go back and follow him all the days of your life. Because if you set your hand to the plow and you look back, you'll be no different than Lot's wife. You will not inherit the Malchut HaShamayim, the kingdom of heaven. We have to be willing to shuv, to repent, teshuvah, to turn around and follow Yahuwah. We've got to lay it down. Then we have to know with that blood-tipped ear, that still, small voice, because his sheep know his voice, it says in John chapter 10. How do we know his voice? Only if we start to study his word, not the words and traditions of the elders, but his word for ourselves, and then we can hear that still, small voice. We have to press into the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. We have to listen to only the master's voice, his guiding, and recognize his voice in others when they too are the sheep of his pasture. And we'll know because they'll speak the same word. And our ruach, our spirit, will testify to the spirit in other believers. And then other times you'll meet people and you'll be like, oh man, that's, that, that, that's, not, that's off. There's something not right there. 
the gathering that's happening is not a rapture. It's a return. And this is where the traditional church goes off, is the difference between rapture theology, which is paganism, and return theology, which is shuv, teshuvah, repentance, and turning back to the former things. The prophet Isaiah said, declare the former things. I will reveal the end from the beginning. That's exactly what Yahweh is doing. He is gathering us, and this is foretold in Matthew chapter 24. Yahweh is regathering all Israel. Hence why this ministry is called Torah to the tribes. Because that's the work that we're supposed to be doing. But the monstrous deception, the monstrous deception is that other religious conspirators have entereth not by the door into the sheepfold and they climbeth up through Catholicism, through Babylonianism, through Romanism, through Protestantism, through evangelicalism, excuse me, through Zionism, through Judaism, and all of these idisms, which is another way. They're thieves and robbers of biblical truth. And they must be marked and avoided. And when challenged, what did we find out? When we challenged these doctrines of men, when you were sitting there in the pews and you challenged these doctrines, you found that, of course, the hirelings fled. Because that's what the word says. They will flee when challenged because that's it. They are just hirelings. And they didn't care about you. They didn't care about me, only the preservation of their religious status quo. Jeremiah 23 verse 1, it is written, Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith Yahuwah. Are we gathering or are we discattering? By their fruit you shall know them. And things are amiss. Things are amiss. And of course, they're out, of course, everywhere. It's like a ship sailing without a mast, without a rudder. Things are amiss and things are off course here and there. And I was charged, as many of you were charged, to speak forth and set things in place and rectify that which has been placed off course. Because Yahushua said, my flock is scattered upon all the face of the earth and they were never inquired after. They were never encouraged to return to their own country. And shame on those, shame on those who've tried to discourage those of you, those of us that wanted to return back to the former things of Moses. And we were discouraged. There was a professor at Yale University. His name was Professor Cal Toton, 1851 to 1908. This is what he said. Just remember, this was 1851 to 1908. He was at Yale University. And he said this, quote, I can never be too thankful to the Almighty that in my youth he used the late Professor Wilson to show me the difference between the two houses. The very understanding of this is the key by which almost the entire Bible becomes intelligible. 
And I cannot state too strongly that the man who has not yet seen the Israel of the Scripture is totally distinct from the Jewish people, is yet in the very infancy, the mere alphabet of biblical study, and that to this day, the meaning of seven-eighths of the Bible is shut to his understanding. That is the 20 and 21st century church. Seven-eighths of the Bible is shut to your understanding if you do not understand the two houses of Israel. Meaning, all Jews, the house of Judah, are Israelites, but not all Israelites, the house of Ephraim and Joseph, are Jews. If you don't understand that, seven-eighths of the Bible remains closed to you. Meaning the ten northern tribes, the house of Ephraim, the house of Joseph, that were scattered and assimilated into the nations are non-Jewish Israelites awaiting the principal shepherd. And that principal shepherd is going to do one thing. He's going to gather them back into the flock of Israel. He's not going to form a Gentile entity called the Ecclesia. He is going to regather and place you in the household of Israel. Come out of the nations, my people. That's what the prophetic revelation says. The new covenant records that Yahushua is the principal shepherd. That's my testimony. That's your testimony. It should be. He's the principal shepherd. John chapter 10 is a great source text in line with Ezekiel's prophecy. John chapter 10 verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up by some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth by the door, who is the door? Yahushua, of course, is the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. In John chapter 10, anyone who enters the sheepfold, the flock, through Yahushua will find pasture. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 31 to 46, Yahushua speaks of the final judgment. He said he would judge between sheep and goats. There's one way in, Yahushua, and there's one way out of judgment, Yahushua. That's it. In John chapter 10, again, in verses 11 to 18, Yahushua portrayed himself as the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. He distinguished himself from the hired hands that fled whenever trouble came their way. In Luke chapter 15, verse 4, where Yahushua's the shepherd who seeks and finds the one lost sheep and rejoices over it. And I've always said, if there's one person, just one person that shows up and is willing to hear the message, I will keep doing what I've been called to do. Because it's one person. If there's one of you just out there that repents and comes to know the Savior, or repents from a bad lifestyle decision and returns back to the principal shepherd, then it was all worth it. 
Because we look for the one. We look for the one. That's the heart of the servant. And we rejoice over the one that was lost. And then becomes found again. The picture of the shepherd searching out the wanderer. It's an amazing foreshadow of the parable of the lost sheep, which Yahushua based upon this very vision that Ezekiel received. Yahushua based his whole ministry upon this very tenth scroll, this tenth vision, because he is the realization of it. This is powerful stuff. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2, it talks about the under-shepherds. Shepherd the flock of Elohim, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. If you don't love ministry, get out of ministry. You should do it willingly because you love it. Even though it's the hardest thing you'll ever do, it's the most worthwhile of value. But it's not easy. Ephesians 2.12, a covenant of shalom. Not only will Yahweh provide a new shepherd, he'll make a new covenant. That's a new experience of the broken covenant in which the blessings rather than the curses are now at our disposal. And in Revelation chapter 7, verse 17, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. So the idea of Yahweh and his son as the principal perfect shepherd of Elohim's people goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 49, verse 22, and later Psalm 23. It is written in Genesis chapter 49, Verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bough, even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. Meaning Joseph, the house of Ephraim and Manasseh, which is the ten northern tribes, they're going to become so fruitful in the blessing of Abraham of multiplicity that they're going to run over the boundaries of the nation, over the wall. They're going to be so dispersed across the lands, into the nations. And even when the woman at the well, who was a Samaritan of the house of Ephraim, met her Savior, even she would then go into the town and bring forth what? An abundance of people that recognized the Savior because the fields were as white as harvest. Meaning the people had come out from the town with their dress whites on ready to embrace the Messiah. Joseph is a fruitful bough. Even a fruitful bough by a well whose branches run over the wall. The archers have sorely grieved him. Who are the archers? The irresponsible shepherds. That have been grieving Ephraim, Joseph for 2,000 years with false doctrine and church tradition. And they've shot at him. And they've hated him. But his bow abode in strength. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty Elohim of Jacob. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. So the good shepherd must Gather the whole flock, which is why it's written in Mark that the good shepherd is able to regather 
or resurrect all 12 tribes from underneath the tallit. Turn with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 5, verse 41. It is written, And he took the child by the hand, and he said to her, Talithachumi, Talithachumi, which is translated, You who is under the tallit, rise up. You who is under the tallit, arise. And immediately, the child arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. How old was she? Was she nine? Was she 10? She was how old? 12. Because this is Yahushua communicating to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which consists of all 12 tribes, that their healing and resurrection is when they're going to come under the covering of the principal shepherd. Rise up and be healed all 12 tribes. And the disciples said to the resurrected and glorified master, first question they asked him when they saw him, Master, when will you restore the kingdom to Israel? He didn't say, when are you going to go to Rome and get the Pope anointed? When are you going to go into um, Constantinople and, and do the eastern leg of the, the Roman Empire? When are you going to get that established? None of that. No. When will you, Master, restore the whole house, the kingdom to Israel? And immediately we find that the child arose and walked, for she was the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with great astonishment. And he ordered them many times that no one should know it and commanded that something should be given to her to eat. She needs some bread. She needs to be nourished by the word of Yahweh. But there are irresponsible shepherds that have left us and led us astray. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbs up by some other way, that same is a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So our source text for all of this, as you've now can see not only is John chapter 10, but it is right here in Ezekiel chapter 34, the 10th scroll, the 10th vision. We've got to learn to discern those that undertake to be shepherds, but are in fact foolish shepherds. Zechariah the prophet warns us of these foolish shepherds. In Zechariah chapter 11 verse 5, that these foolish shepherds, oftentimes they come and they're proud. They're full of pride. They're above their business. They're idle. They don't love their business or they're faithless and unconcerned about it. The case of the flock is as bad as if it were without a shepherd. Better no shepherd than such irresponsibles and foolish shepherds. Ezekiel 34 verse 1. It is written, and the word of Yahweh came to me saying, Ben-Adam, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this says the master Yahweh to the shepherds. Woe to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Woe to them that feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat and you clothe yourself with the wool. You kill them that are fed, but you feed not the flock. 
the diseased have you not strengthened? Neither have you healed those who were sick. Neither have you bound up those that were broken. Neither have you brought back those that were driven away. Neither have you sought those which are lost. But with force and with cruelty you have ruled over them. That they were scattered because there is no shepherd. And they become food to all the beasts of the field where they were scattered. My sheep, they wandered. They wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yes, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth. And there was not one that did search for them. That not even would they seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of Yahuwah. As I live, says the master Yahuwah, surely. Surely, because my flock became a prey, and my flock became food to every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd. There was no shepherds, and neither do my shepherds search for my flock. But the shepherds, they feed themselves with gluttony. Neither do my shepherds search for them, and neither do they feed my flock. Therefore, O you shepherds, hear the word of Yahuwah. This says the master Yahuwah. See, I am against you shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more. For I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be food for them any longer. This is the dreadful, dreadful history of Israel's leaders. And it would morph into the dreadful, dreadful history of the Eastern and later Western church system of irresponsible shepherds abusing the sheep irresponsible shepherds who'll lead you to another pasture of their own making or worse still they'll deceive you with another gospel it's ill with the patient when his physician is his worst disease right ill with the flock when the shepherds drive them away and disperse them into pagan traditions of men and the cycles of the world. The disciples asked one question of the good shepherd after dwelling with him many days. Acts chapter 1 verse 6. When they therefore had come together, they asked him saying, Master, principal shepherd, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that's the work of the principal shepherd. Elohim is the good shepherd and he sent his son to be the principal shepherd shepherd excuse me over the flock but there are two Israelite flocks one from another fold will be made into one fold with one shepherd John chapter 10 verse 16 and other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring in and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So the whole house of Israel must hear the word Shema, the good shepherd. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, 
It is written, therefore, let the whole house of Israel, there's the one flock, know assuredly that the master Yahuwah has made known that same Yahushua whom you have impaled as both king and Messiah. So the message from the very onset of the book of Acts is what? The principal shepherd has done the work of redemption. He's come. He's dwelt amongst the sheep. He's interceded for the sheep. And now he's going to restore and regather them back into the one flock, which is the kingdom of Israel unto Yahuwah. Amen? A very simple message. The good shepherd will feed his sheep, the whole flock. But what's he going to feed us? Do you think he's going to feed us a little bit of Christmas? Maybe a spot of Easter? Maybe a spot of Easter ham? That's what we were taught. But we were taught that by the irresponsible shepherds. Because no, we're to be fed on a very distinct diet of the good shepherd's food. He will feed both houses of Israel the five books of Torah, which will awaken them to their true identity, enabling them to leave the pagan nations, shuv, return, repent, and be gathered together as one whole house, the twelve tribes. Two fish and five loaves gathered into how many baskets? Twelve baskets. That's the twelve tribes that are presented at the three pilgrimage feasts unto Yahweh. There's two fish that represent the two houses, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. They're going to be fed a diet of five fish, excuse me, of five loaves that is then going to leave up 12 baskets of fragments as they are gathered together into the hole. That was the message of the feeding of the 5,000. Luke chapter 9 verse 13. It is written again. But he said to them, you give them some grub to eat. And they said, we have only got five loaves of bread and a couple of fishes. Unless we go and buy all the food from the 7-Eleven down the road, how are we going to do this? I'm paraphrasing, but you understand what I'm saying. For there's 5,000 men out there. And he said to his Talmudim, his disciples, make them sit down by 50s in a company. What was he doing here? Trying to organize a Nicolaitan pyramid? No. He was doing what Moses taught. Captains of thousands, captains of hundreds, captains of fifties, and captains of ten. Yes, Yahushua organizes a congregation according to the teachings of Moses. Not according to the Babylonian and Romanized Roman traditions of men that we see throughout the Western Hemisphere. This is not the way to do it. Yahushua gives us the example here, and he goes on to say this. Gather them and have them sit down by fifties in a company. And they said so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to the Shamaim, the heavens, he said a bracha. He broke and said the blessing and broke them and said to the Talmudim, to his disciples, set it before the multitude. And they did eat and they were filled. And there was taken up from the fragments that remained to them 12 baskets. This is the message of the principal shepherd. 
He will go and feed the two houses of Israel, the five books of Torah, and therefore they will be gathered into the 12 tribes of Israel into the one hand of the principal shepherd. And the good shepherd, when he spoke to Shimon Kepha, Simon Peter, he said, do you love me more than these? Or do you? And he said, well, well, yes, master. Of course I love you. I love you way more than these. You know that I love you. Well, go and feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Shimon, son of Jonas, do you really love me? And he said, well, yes, master. You, of course, you know I love you. And he said to him, well, go and feed my sheep. Because he is the good shepherd. Look at the 11th verse of Ezekiel chapter 34. For this says the master Yahuwah, see, I, even I, will both search my sheep. So it's Yahuwah's sovereign determination and irresistible power to do what? To go looking for you. Wherever you were, wherever I was, he will meet us where we were at, in the gutter, in the hedgerows. And if that's where we're at, he'll go find us there. Because he is seeking and searching for that which is lost. That which has been abused. That which has been battered. That which the world has discarded. That he could find us in our absolute filth. And restore us back into the sheepfold. Is a supernatural prophetic revelation. Ezekiel didn't even grasp the power of the vision. But we are recipients of this vision. What a blessed people. Seek them out. In verse 12. As a shepherd seeks out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered. So this shepherd, Elohim promised to come down among his own sheep. Do you see that? Ezekiel 34 verse 12. So will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in a cloudy and dark day. And of course, on a cloudy and dark day, the reference is to a day of clouds and thick darkness, which of course has got huge eschatological overtones. Psalm 97 verse 2, Joel chapter 2 verse 2. Zephaniah chapter 1 verse 15. It suggests that this deliverance is to be the day of Yahuwah for all Israel, all 12 tribes. That's to say the day when Yahuwah acts in salvation and judgment because he's about to usher in a new age of his righteous rule on earth. That's the blessed hope. That's the blessed hope. And verse 14, and I will bring them out of the nations. That's an assurity. That's a promise. Yahweh made promises associated with the new covenant. And he is going to be faithful to deliver those promises. And he says he's going to gather them out from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers. And in all the inhabited places of the country, I will feed them in a tov, a good pasture. And upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. 
So Yahuwah promised to restore Israel back to our own land. This is the restoration that is promised to Israel. It's not only geographic, it's generational. It's spiritual. It's supernatural restoration in our lives. And there, what will happen to us? We'll finally be able to lie down in a good field, in a good fold, in a fat pasture. They shall feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock, Ezekiel thirty-four fifteen, and I will cause them to lie down says the master Yahuwah. So when he tells us that our warfare is accomplished and that your sin is pardoned, isn't that a good place to lie down in? I mean, there is no better place to lie down in to know that your warfare is accomplished and your sin is pardoned. Just, just relax for a minute. So many of us, we're so busy that we forget to just lie down in the goodness of the principal shepherd. Because if you strip away all of the nonsense, we've got nothing to fear. We have nothing to be worried about. We are in the hand of the shepherd. And we could have everything that the world has to offer. And it would be nothing for us lying down in what he has already ordained for us. So take comfort in these words. In this day when there is so much hostility, know that you are under the hand of the guardian principal shepherd of Israel. And it says that you're going to have a fat pasture where he's going to feed you upon the mountains of Israel. He's accomplished the warfare for you. And he has now enabled you to lie down in shalom. Because your sin has been pardoned. Verse 16. I will seek that which was lost. And bring again that which was driven away. And I will bind up that which is broken. And I will strengthen that which is sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with mishpat. Judgment. So the modern western culture often divides the world into just two categories. We've got the number one, we've got the oppressors. And then number two, we've got the victims, right? And that's it. Just try and divide the world into two categories. But nobody takes responsibility. We all have to take responsibility for our own sins and failings before Yahuwah, whether we were once an oppressor or once a victim. We all stand guilty before Yahuwah. All of us. Yahuwah says, it's time for you to get over your victim mentality. Yahuwah says, it's time for you to stop being an overlord and a brute and a bully. Whether you're a victim or an oppressor, get over it. You can't walk through life with a victim mentality. And you can't walk through life as an overlord. We've just got to lay it down Turn around, leave it away, and follow the principal shepherd. And then we will find that we will have more compassion for one another. 
verse 17. And as for you, O my flock, this says the master Yahweh. See, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and between male goats. You see, Yahweh recognized that all sheep, they are not the same. Oh, I look out and oh, it's all nice and all white, fluffy, woolly. No, that doesn't mean everybody's sheep just because you've got white, fluffy wool on you, right? We've got to discern because there's some that will sneak in amongst our midst trying to deceive and lead people astray. Yahweh recognized that all sheep are not the same and he reserved the right to make such distinctions. The flock will be purified. Not only of its Nicolaitan leadership, but also of its weak of conscience partisans. There is going to be a cleansing. And now is the time where there is a separation between the sheep and the goats. Verse 18. Is it a small thing for you to have eaten up the good pasture? But you must also tread down with your feet the remnant of your pastures. And to have drunk of the deep water, but you must foul the remnant with your feet. This is the misery of Yahweh's flock. You see, the church has had to live in an unpleasant, unsustainable pasture because other sheep have done what? They've abused it through centuries of being fed with traditions. All the legendary fables, all the indulgences that caused the Reformation, all the vowed pilgrimages, all the penances. But Yahweh says, I'm bringing you out. I'm bringing you out. And my sheep, they'll hear my voice. And they'll recognize my voice in my other sheep of my pasture. So now is the time of separation between goats and sheep. Let the goats go. And then you'll find sheep at the three pilgrimage feasts. Gathering where we can bind up, heal, send out and equip. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted in the meantime with the arguments of goats. Because goats will always try and justify living in another pasture with other shepherds. Let them go. It's okay. You can't make another sheep follow the principal shepherd. You can't make a sheep let go of the traditions of men if they are set that the grass is greener on the other side. It's not. It's muddied and trampled down. But they're used to eating that type of grass. That's the problem. And sometimes, and I'm guilty of this, you start teaching the word of Yahuwah, it is rich. And for some people, it's too rich, and they're unable to digest it at the rate you try and throw it at them. So I've had to learn over the years to temper back the hose. Because otherwise it's like, whoa, and then a lot is missed. So I try to break it down and not do, you know, a, a big long session. Today is going to be a small session. It's introduction to 
the good shepherd. Because you can go into the New Testament and you see the prophetic vision that Ezekiel had come to fruition. That you and I are recipients of it. The good shepherd and his pasture consists of all Israel with a table set. And that table is going to be set perfectly. It is fit and proper. That's kosher. Fit and proper. Set for a king. There is no unclean thing on it. There's no pig knuckles. There's none of that. It's not going to be on his table. And when we all sit down, we're going to all be sitting down for his Sabbath and his feasts. And any other table setting with any unclean on it, well, that's a hireling. That's a thief's. That's Romanism. That's Babylonianism. And we're to have no part of those pastures. And when any of the flock are sick or hurt, worried or wounded, the three pilgrimage feasts are a place where that healing can begin. And I'm committed to that because I've seen the fruit of it. It's wonderful bounty. Yahusha, finally... Yahushua sits as the reigning Malkitzedek. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And as such, he gathers his Malkitzedek priesthood to what side? To the right. And he shall set the sheep on his right. But the goats, they shall be on his left. And it is written, and let it come speedily forth in our days. This vision is the hope of Israel. It's the blessed hope. When there is so much distraction and there is so much animosity in the nations, when our leaders are irresponsible and corrupt, where do we look? To the infighting of politicians? To votes and ballots? Or do we look to the good shepherd, the principal shepherd, the savior and guardian over the flock? That's where I'm looking because that's where the peace is at. And it's not about this nation. It's about being gathered out of these nations and returning back to the flock of Israel. And that's what Yahweh is doing. But he's calling out the goats. He's calling out the irresponsible shepherds, not only in a religious worldview, and you're seeing it in ministries, in churches, and many of us have come out of that, being awakened to the irresponsible shepherds that were over us for so long. But we're also seeing that Yahweh is going to do that in the political realm as well, that these irresponsible shepherds will be exposed, and it's all coming out right now. Because Yahweh is going to show that it's the good shepherd who will only be the one who is both priest and politician over his people. He is the Malkit Zedek, which means king, judge, and ruler in righteousness. There's the blessed hope. Ezekiel captures this vision. He delivers it to the elders of Israel. And they were in rebellion, still in rebellion. And they rejected the heed. They rejected the call because they were so set on their own pasture, 
on clothing themselves with the fat and they were treading down the pasture that other sheep couldn't even get to eat of it or to drink from the water. But now you and I get to be part of this revival because we have been sought. Though we were lost, he came for us that were found. And this is the hope that keeps me going on and on and on. And now as I see the benefits of keeping the Sabbath and the feasts of Yahuwah, it's all to the binding up, healing, and regathering of sheep into one pasture. And as I say, what a powerful testimony of vision that the prophet had. Next week, we'll jump into um, part two and uh, be blessed. I know it was a little short today, but um, I just really wanted to focus on this specific shepherd in Ezekiel 34 and make the correlations for you that you all knew about. But again, just to encourage you and motivate you that now is the time to gather, 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 not scatter, scatter, scatter. Amen? And blessings, blessings.